Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! Man, Hammer, for as quickly as those storms passed through central Indy yesterday, they left behind in its wake a lot of damage and a lot of power outages. A lot of people still without power. I'm one of them. Including you. You know what I did this morning? I took a dump in the dark. <laughs> I had to take a dump in the dark. You know why? Because I don't have power. How, how did you know that you were clean afterwards? Oh, I've done it so many times. You, you just, just know. You just know? Yeah. Okay. There's no, I mean, very few people enjoy a good old-fashioned number two the way that I do. <laughs> but, man, you're right. That storm, we were on the air. It came through. You know, it had some gusty winds, really quick winds. And because of that, we had just drama all over the city. We had power lines down, trees in the road. Depending on where you lived, power out for hours. And there's still a lot of people that don't have power. Christina Lund is the president and the CEO of AES uh, U.S. Utilities. She was part of a press conference earlier today with Joe Hogsett and some city leaders talking about how, I'm sorry to even pass this on to you, this could be a multi-day restoration process. We have brought in additional crews from from surrounding states, including Illinois, Tennessee, and Ohio. So we are getting help from our neighboring states, and it is greatly appreciated. We are continuing to work through significant damage to power lines and equipment. In fact, there were roughly 2,600 incidents causing outages on our network. And so each one of these does need to be addressed to fully restore our customers. Most of them were caused by the high winds, fallen trees, and downed power lines. And because of this situation, we do expect a multi-day restoration effort. Multi, multi-day. You know, it's not like three F5 tornadoes came flying through Central Indy. It was windy for an hour or two. And look, I, I don't know. It just seems to me like the infrastructure we have here is kind of flimsy. Like, I wonder if the AES executives are have power at their house. Well, <laughs> Christina Lund sitting in her living room right now watching a movie. She's got a blanket on because the AC is cranked so low. All the lights in the house are on. <laughs> Meanwhile, this morning, You're I'm going to the bathroom in the dark. In the dark. <laughs> Man, you're right though. Like, I mean, I'm not. I'm not. They're doing the best they can, I right, guess. But didn't right. AES just send out an email a couple days before these storms, saying, "Hey, uh, we're glad your customers. We love to be uh, working with you here, and we're going to raise your rates by seventeen dollars." Then forty eight hours later, nobody even has any power. It's ridiculous. And you're right. Hat tip to the folks that are out on the streets. Oh, yeah. The, the people driving the trucks, trying to fix the power lines and all that kind of stuff. You guys are out there doing God's work. But at the top of the food chain here, it feels like there has to be a better contingency plan. 
right? Because what happens oh, if, you know, yeah. China or Russia or, or some yeah. terrorist organization hacks into the power grid? Now you've got people who can't access their food because it's in the refrigerator. If you're super progressive and you have an electric car, well, you can't drive away and <laughs> charge that bad boy. I mean, it's a mess. You realize how much we rely on the power grid and electricity once it goes down. We're addicted to it. We are. You know, people say, oh, we're addicted to fossil fuels. Uh, no, we're addicted to electricity. And it doesn't always work out the way we want it to. I mean, they're talking about blackouts in the South because of the heat this summer. And uh, like I said, I go back to the, th- like it's, it's, a squirrel could get into the transformer in Zion. It used to be this way. I don't think it's that way anymore. They've done some terrific improvements in the infrastructure in terms of the power, but a squirrel could get into the transformer there and just knock crap out for three days. And See, it's that's just, ridiculous. It's, 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 it's just almost too easy. The next attack on the it's, United States mainland is not going to be planes in a building or you know the bombing of Pearl Harbor or anything like that. It's going to be on the power grid. <laughs> Christina Lund, the uh, president of AES, just opened the windows to her house because it was getting too cold. <laughs> the air conditioning, the air conditioning was just too much for her to handle. <laughs> open some windows. She's wearing a snuggie. <laughs> sitting on the couch right now meanwhile at our house man we're sweating like matthew mcconaughey in a time to kill (laughs) there was yeah they didn't have much air conditioning in that movie did they they did not now am i correct in understanding your neighbors across the street have power oh yeah they're looking at me with the leonardo dicaprio (laughs) meme face right now they're outside. They got their porch lights on. You know, they're having a good time. They got the stereo yeah. going on my side of the street. You're we're, throwing out food. We're living You're- like the Ingalls family in Little House on the Damn Prairie. So there has to be a better contingency plan for this, right? Unbelievable. It's been kind of a rough week for Indy. So go back to last weekend. You had the Broad Ripple killings. And now we have these storms. I know the storms and the power grid doesn't necessarily fall on Joe Hogsett. But if I'm Jefferson Shreve, I'm coming out with commercials right now. Oh, yeah. I'm looking for any reason to come out right now. Strike while the iron's hot. Listen, I don't know what Jefferson Shreve sounds like. I think we've played some sound bites of him. But in my mind, this is what Jefferson Shreve's commercials would sound like. Hi, I'm Jefferson Shreve. If you don't like getting shot and killed and you don't want to poop in the dark, maybe you vote for me. (laughs) That's a simple ad campaign that he should run right now and try to cross over and get some new voters. Well, I'm quite certain Jefferson Shreve does not sound like Boss Hogg from Dukes of Hazzard. (laughs) In my mind, he sounded like a Southern Mr. T. Hi, I'm Jefferson Shreve. If you don't like getting shot in the face, I pity the fool that doesn't have air conditioning right now. Shreve, November. I approve of this message. Uh, We've got some very high-profile legal stuff. Uh Oh, no, boy. Crime, punishment, judges, legal stuff. So let's start with the Indiana Supreme Court. The Indiana Supreme Court ruled earlier today that the state's abortion ban does not violate the state constitution. Now, this removes a major hurdle to enforce the abortion ban that the Republicans approved of last summer. 
So basically, to make sense of all of this, here is Garrett Burquist of our news gathering partners, Wish TV. So this involves one of two lawsuits against Indiana's abortion ban. The state Supreme Court just threw out a Marion County judge's order that blocked it on privacy grounds. As a reminder, the law bans abortion under almost any circumstances. It allows abortion up to 10 weeks into pregnancy for rape or incest or 20 weeks to save the mother's life. However, the ban still cannot go back into effect. That's because there is a separate order blocking the ban in a another case. That lawsuit challenges the ban on religious liberty grounds. So far, that order has not had any court hearings. So all this means abortion in Indiana is still governed by the state's old abortion law. That allows abortion for any reason up to 20 weeks. So the Indiana General Assembly, they're one step closer to getting what they wanted last summer, which in essence was a total ban. So wait, can you or can you not get an abortion right now this second in Indiana? Yes. You can. It's the old law right now. Okay. Until the other injunction is ruled upon by a court, which may be a while, it's the old law by default. So that's what they're looking for right now. By the way, the, the separate injunction you're talking about is using RIFRA. At, like religious like uh, how uh, imagine mike pence's head spinning around <laughs> wait a minute they're using rifra as a reason to you uh, keep abortion legal the fly on his head got dizzy <laughs> <laughs> so that's what's happening at the indiana supreme court nationally at the big supreme court uh joe biden's free college the student debt relief yeah, that's been struck down by the Supreme Court. Yeah, we knew that was going to happen. That was, I mean, even Nancy Pelosi at one time. I mean, there's a montage of politician after politician after politician saying, uh, no, the president of the United States cannot cancel college debt by executive order. I just can't do it. We knew it was going to get thrown out. Little fun fact for you 56% of all student loan debt is held by people who went to grad school, and the highest income households in America hold 60% of outstanding debt and make up 75% of student loan payments. Now, keep in mind, 13% of Americans have graduate degrees, and only 37% have undergrad degrees. So long story short here, the Supreme Court in the last couple of days ruled that racism is wrong and people should pay for their debts. (laughs) This is only controversial to these lunatics on the left. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here with a very special in-studio guest. It's Fridays with Matt Bear. He comes crawling up out of that little traffic hole that he's in most days <laughs> and is uh, live with us in the studio. Turn your microphone on, Matt. Um, uh, there, there he is. is. Hey, there, there we 
there we go. Baritone voice. Imagine that. We didn't have power. Welcome to the party, pal. (laughs) Right? How bad was it yesterday in terms of traffic, especially downtown uh, around Victory Field when the the baseball game, you know, there was no power at Victory Field, right? Yeah, that was like Lord of the Flies downtown there on the um, west end. I mean, there were people just gathered in in masses. It kind of looked like the Super Bowl. You remember when people were just huddled on the corners of each street and crossing whatever they were? That, that's what was going on. Except at people Maryland. were getting rained on heavily. Yeah, it was really bad, and people were just kind of standing out. You know, the fix doing the best they can. They don't have power. There's nothing they can do, but people were just standing outside for a long time waiting to get into the game. But welcome to downtown. Great to have you. Sorry you're standing outside the rain. It really sucked. And for those who are watching on the YouTube stream, Matt Bear wearing a very tight shirt, it appears, from the Rob Kendall collection. <laughs> it does. It says no. Rob doesn't have anything that nice. (laughs) Rob will have a Ghostbusters t-shirt five sizes too small. (laughs) I like Rob's clothes better than mine. He wears great t-shirts. So do we have all the crap out of the roads at this point, Matt? Like trees and down power lines and all that kind of stuff? Well, a lot of the crap is out of the roads, but the traffic lights are still not working at a lot of places. And we're talking about, you know, major intersections. Yesterday, we were dealing with Benford 71st and then over on the other side, Allisonville, where you'd normally go when that one's messed up, was, was also bad. I mean, traffic lights were just out. It's just one of those days when we're driving out and around. It's Friday, and Friday suck to be commuting on, but those intersections could be dark. We just got to take turns, man, and not take it personally. You know, just be cool. That's all we have to do. Uh, it's going to be one of those weekends where... And this is a big yeah. travel weekend, which is yeah. a problem. Absolutely. And, and and that's the thing. You know, construction zones again, you know, we're talking about a law going into effect on July 1st where they could take a snapshot of us in a construction zone if we go too fast. It could cost us $75 the first time, $150 the second time. But if we're driving, we're just saying, hey, it's a construction zone and just kind of chill out, do the speed limit. Nobody gets hurt. That's the best part of it. And we all go home happy. Now, what know. if you're running across that area without pants? on will they take a snapshot of you then they better well? <laughs> if i'm gonna do that on 70 absolutely i just don't know if i like that the whole camera thing like what if you let your buddy borrow your truck to help somebody move and he's driving recklessly and you get the speeding ticket in the mail well I t- I, yeah yeah i totally get you uh but but at the same time i think that's a conversation to have with your buddy and be like hey don't be taking my truck you know through a construction zone <laughs> right, like that you know i mean gotta <laughs> chill out when you go you know I all mean, my buddies are jerks <laughs> uh, right they're right. d words so I, 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 they, they wouldn't they wouldn't care they don't bring the truck back <laughs> those are my friends so remember that hurricane a number of years ago where there was a mysterious truck that was just sitting on the beach and then the oh, water yeah. ultimately took it out to sea. Yeah. And it turns out that was the situation where somebody borrowed his buddy's truck. Yes. <laughs> that was one of your friends, wasn't it? <laughs> Just right. left it there. Got the hell out of there. So, Matt Bear, we like to talk about some other things when you come in studio, not just traffic and closures all the time. Nige, I think you'll enjoy this, too. So, I found this on Instagram. There's a band called Two-Way Bear. Not Matt Bear, but Two-Way Bear. <laughs> What they've done is they've taken audio of like an Alex Jones rant, but they put their own music behind it and they turned it into a heavy metal song. Oh, wow. Would you like to hear oh, it? Oh, yeah, yeah, please. I will go to hell before I sit here and I watch this country and the world turned over to these savages. I'm done, I'm pissed, and I'm not putting up with it anymore. You Satanists want to sacrifice the West. You want to kill the beautiful goddess that is the West. You people are enemies. And we know it's 
you're up to, and we're coming for you. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> Are the oh, rock icon yeah, of the city, Nige? Yes, I am. I sure. that move the needle oh, for that you. That moves it all the way to the right. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, all it's, the it's, way it's, to the it's, right. It's going hundred plus miles an hour. Ah! <laughs> that totally had the Pantera vibe to it in the sound. Yeah. I mean, I, first totally of all, nice. Alex Jones, as nutty as he is, he's a great, entertaining broadcaster. I don't, you know, look, for whatever his transgressions are in the past, all the, you know, all the things that he's talked about. Sandy he's Hook hila- stuff. He's hilarious. I mean, he I has his care. own product line. I mean, he really made a brand out of this and really built something uh, up. Yeah. I mean, he's making a, uh, people buy his stuff. You can't argue with that. So I'll see that song and I will raise you a Hammer and Nigel Records one. So earlier today, when I appeared on the Kendall and Casey show, I had talked about how against my wishes i had to take a hot sweaty number two in the dark last oh, night goodness Ugh. because still no power <laughs> no fan and i was hungry no when i got home so i couldn't open up my fridge because i want to keep everything cold so i had to go out and get food the whole thing was a mess and that's when i put this song together and i'm gonna sing this live for you okay this isn't a recording <laughs> I was listening to a little Springsteen when I wrote this, by the way. Yeah. And this is a true story. Got home in the evening. (laughs) And my power's been out all day. I was getting real hungry. (laughs) But I had no fridge or microwave. (laughs) I run for the border. Taco Bell. Got six tacos with extra cheese. (laughs) That's a bad order. (laughs) And we didn't have any Febreze. I can't stop fire. It's dark, but I can't light the spark. Situation's real dire. Here we go. Here I am just pooping in the dark. Hey, baby! Wow, bravo. So if you were a program director, Matt, which song are you putting in heavy rotation? The Alex Jones Metal or Hammer and Nigel Records. I'm going to put Hammer and Nigel Records yeah. because nobody likes to poop in the dark. I mean, it's Thank like, you. Yeah, there you go. And I still plan to do that tonight, apparently, because there's no <laughs> power at the Hammer House. There's no sex in the champagne room, and there's no power at the Hammer House. Where can people get a hold of you, Matt? At Matt and Traffic on Twitter. We do the thing there. We have the conversation. We talk to Traffic. That's really where I want everybody right now, and we'll see you there, man. You're the best. Thank you. Love you guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. <laughs> Boy, Biden taking a lot of L's courtesy of the Supreme Court hammer. We have uh, affirmative action, removing that from college. We have, um, I mean, going back to last year, Roe v. Wade, we have um, the Colorado forced speech, you know, striking down um, uh, compelled speech statute in Colorado. You know, if you're a uh, baker and you don't want to make a, a gay cake for a, a couple you don't have to do that and college debt is another one that they uh, struck down today there's no such thing as free money i was listening to the news at the top of the hour and there was some advocate who had really hitched their wagon to the free college plan 
How embarrassing to say that out loud. Like, there is no such thing as free money, especially when it comes to college. <laughs> My God. Uh, let's go to the driveuboard.com hotline and bring on Tommy Piggott. He's the RNC Rapid Response Director. Tommy, it's amazing to watch people melt down because they can't get free money from the government. Well, the thing is, it's also, I think the next step to that is it's not even free government, free money from the government. It's free money from people who didn't go to college. It's free money paid for by people who paid off their student debt, who made decisions to not go to an expensive university or to get a less expensive option or just make a different career choice. So it's not free money from an abstract organization. It's free money from people who made concrete decisions to be responsible and to pay off their own debt. There's this powerful exchange from a few years ago where Elizabeth Warren was confronted by a father who said, I, I worked a double shift. I remember that. Uh, I yeah. made responsible choices. Yeah, exactly. And he was asked, when am I getting my money back? And she said, you're not. And I think that <laughs> is the fundamental unfairness of this, that someone could be irresponsible or, or even make decisions uh, that maybe in hindsight they should have maybe adjusted uh, versus someone who could be responsible, someone who made decisions, someone who made sacrifices and paid off that debt. And the fact that we're now asking them to pay again, I think most Americans think that's fundamentally unfair. You know, when it becomes campaign season, you get a lot of crazy promises from people. And Joe Biden and the political left in this country, they've put everything out there from free college to this and that. It's actually kind of refreshing and it restores faith in humanity when you see the Supreme Court come out and go, you can't do that. What are you thinking? What are you smoking? I'm paraphrasing, of course, here, but it's actually refreshing to see the Supreme Court look at all this ridiculousness and call it for what it is. And I think ridiculous is the perfect word for it, because guess who also agreed that it was unconstitutional to do this just mere years ago? Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden. Yeah, they explicitly said yeah. that the president did not have the authority for this. So I think ridiculous is the absolute perfect word to describe this. They knew it was unconstitutional and they did it anyway. So I think the bigger question is, is not what the left likes to say, like, why did the Supreme Court block this? The bigger question is, why did Joe Biden do something that was so obvious and blatantly unconstitutional? Something that he knew was unconstitutional. And I think it's because for all his talk of restoring norms, he doesn't care about norms. He only cares about politics. He doesn't care about actually helping people. He's, he cares about scoring political points. We need to figure out why college is so expensive. We need to figure out a way that people can access the American dream without going into massive amounts of debt. We need to figure out if there's other paths that we can create besides having people go to college. But usurping authority like this in a way that's blatantly unconstitutional and forcing people to pay for loans they didn't take out is not the way to do that. And sticking with the um with the college aspect here, the Supreme Court removed affirmative action for colleges uh, yesterday. This was another huge thing um, regarding, I think, specifically North Carolina and Harvard, but it basically eliminated affirmative action for colleges. Talk a little bit about that and what what this means moving forward. Well, basically, it means that you can't use racial discrimination as a factor in college admissions. And when you say that, which is the fact of the matter, I believe that close to 90 percent of Americans would agree with that. But the problem yeah. is. If you listen to Joe Biden's speech, it's obvious he didn't read the opinion because the opinion that overruled these affirmative action cases said that, of course, someone can talk about their own life. They can talk about how they've overcome issues regarding race or income or other hardships. They can talk about how that's formed their opinions, formed them as a person, and that can be considered by college admissions. I think everyone would agree that people should look at a holistic person, what they've learned, what challenges they've overcome. Sure. But what's been overturned are the racial quotas. And the left has lost its mind because they want racial discrimination 
to have a place in college admissions. And I don't think most Americans want that. And also the fact is that there was blatant racial discrimination against Asian Americans in these programs. I, oh, yeah. I heard before before California outlawed affirmative action, I had several friends in California who were told not to put Asian American on their applications because they wouldn't get into the University of California uh, schools, which is blatant discrimination if you're being ruled out because of your race. And so the left is completely ignoring that aspect while also mischaracterizing what the, what the, what the opinion said. Chatting with Tommy Piggott, RNC Rapid Response Director. Uh, Tommy, this past week, White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre said with a straight face that Americans feel better about their personal finances under Joe Biden's policies. I'm curious if you agree with that or not. <laughs> well, I wonder if she had just spoken Hunter Biden. Uh, that's the only uh, American I can think oh, of. He probably feels, feels great about, about his finances, yeah. <laughs> the Biden family is not the only one I can think of who's riding high on Biden's policies. I, I mean, it, that's that's... It, it, that's so delusional. I mean, it, they, they are so out of touch. They make Marie Antoinette look like a woman of the people. I mean, they, they are so out of touch with the reality of what Americans are facing. I mean, it's it, poll after poll shows something like 80 percent of Americans say that Biden's policies aren't helping them, that they're worse off financially, that the nation's on the wrong track. So for them to say that Americans feel better because of Biden's policies, I, I don't know what poll they could be citing or what reality they're living in, but it's certainly not this reality. I have a feeling Joe Biden is going to really keep having to answer these questions about Hunter Biden's business deals. And so is KJP, for that matter. Um, I mean, we have the situation yesterday where Biden yelled at a reporter who asked him about his knowledge of Hunter's business deals. I'm seeing mainstream news outlets all kind of... Uh, start discussing this matter and you know especially in light of the whistleblower the irs whistleblowers and the text messages back and forth between the chinese uh, oligarch hey uh, you know uh my dad's sitting right here with me where's my money and then oh golly gee a week later the exact amount arrives in his bank accounts this i feel like is not an issue that's going to go away for uh joe biden and hunter for that matter yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it would be nice if he actually started answering some questions sure. as opposed to just yelling at reporters uh, about what he knew, when he knew it, where he was uh, when it came to Hunter and the rest of his family's business dealings. I mean, it's just it's absurd for him to claim that he wasn't involved at this point when there's a mountain of evidence that suggests that he was. I mean, there's the WhatsApp message, other text messages, emails, on the record accounts, uh, visitors logs, uh, a voicemail. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, it's at a certain point at what, how much evidence do, does the journalist really need or does the, do Democrats really need to actually look into this? I mean, it's so obvious that there's a mountain of evidence that Joe Biden was involved in this or at least indicating that he was. But are you surprised, though, that networks like CBS are actually running stories about this? Because keep in mind, these are the same people who told us that the summer of love was mostly peaceful despite billions of dollars worth of damage. Well, it shows you how much evidence there is, right, that they're actually covering it. They can't ignore it, yeah. Yeah, they can't ignore it. They would go out of their way to talk about everything else. I mean, to be honest, they should have been talking about this since October 2020 when the laptop came out. We're talking that, you know, it's better late than never for a lot of these media organizations. But they still I think a lot of journalists need to look 
at how they cover the laptop, how they cover this Biden influence peddling scheme. And then also look how they're going to cover this going forward. When you have someone like Merrick Garland who says that he did not interfere in this investigation into Hunter Biden, but then there's email collaboration from this whistleblower that really indicates that at the very least there was interference from someone at the DOJ. There's evidence and collaboration on one side. And so far we haven't really seen any evidence to back up the claims from Merrick Garland and Joe Biden. So at a certain point, we need to keep on asking these questions, pressing these issues. And I think hopefully, and I'm not really holding my breath for this, but hopefully journalists and other organizations have learned their lesson from believing Biden's lies about the Hunter Biden laptop when it comes to other issues when it, on his influence peddling going forward. Last thing here before we let you go, Tommy, should the Republicans move forward, at least in the House, with trying to impeach Merrick Garland? Well, I think what they should do is first get into whether or not he lied about investigating. And Speaker McCarthy spoke to this, that if Merrick Garland lied and did interfere in Hunter Biden's investigation, if he lied and said under oath that, that David Weiss had charging authority in this case, when in reality he might not have, if he lied about that, then Speaker McCarthy has made very clear that the House will move forward with impeachment investigations. The House has been very good so far, unlike the Democrats, the House GOP has been guided by evidence, not a political vendetta. And I think they've been very conscientious to follow the facts. And I'm confident they're going to keep doing that. So if the facts lead to impeachment, that's exactly what I expect the House GOP to do. But I expect them, again, to be followed by the facts, not a political vendetta, which guided, which guided Adam Schiff and the rest of the Democrats when they had the majority. How's the push to get more Republicans registered to vote and to vote early? I know that's been a big talking point last couple of years. You guys launched a campaign about a month ago. How's it going? Well, it's going great so far. We're actually in the process of developing state-specific packages, state-specific websites where people can look up the specific rules when it comes to banking your vote early or protecting your vote. I strongly encourage every single person listening to go to bankyourvote.com to take the pledge to make sure that you bank your vote early and then find out information about how you can help us protect your vote as well. It's incredibly important. Uh, The chair likes to use the analogy of why wait to the fourth quarter to score points when you have every quarter to score points. We got to get those points on the board. We got to beat the Democrats at their own game. And bankyourvote.com, that's the way to do it. Tommy Piggott, RNC Rapid Response Director. Check out some of his work at RNC Research. Tommy, have a great 4th of July weekend. You as well. Thanks for having me on. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Man, I gotta tell you. I mean, you, you left something in here when you exited the studio that is, is still re- reverberating. I'm just happy I could do it in the lights that time. I mean, did you have to crop dust me on the way out? Yes, because you have lights at home. You deserve a little that, punishment. That, that hammer goes, man, I, he's holding his stomach and he's just shaking his head. He goes, I might not make it back for the next break. I go, great. Okay, go do your thing. But you didn't have to drop a bomb in here on your way out holy god almighty you're welcome i'm still (laughs) nathaniel are you okay over there buddy no nathaniel says no this is a fairly big studio and and i I wouldn't think well are you gonna puke again now is this gonna be number five i don't know i mean just just hold it until you get in the bathroom 
Well, that was the plan. <laughs> Sometimes I've been there, though, when the plans don't really work out the way you want them to. You left me yesterday intestinal. high and dry. Our computer system crashed, and Allison, who was producing yesterday, looked oh, yeah. at me, hey, there, we can't play any commercials. I already, I already exited for the bathroom. Yeah. So I'm up here just talking gibberish like Biden for five minutes. And I did a good job, man. <laughs> um, this was pretty crazy. During a press conference about Russia, a Pentagon reporter made a Weekend at Bernie's reference when asking about whether the leader of the Wagner group was still alive. Take a listen to this. Here is the question and the response. Does the DOD know for a fact that Prigozhin is still alive, or, or are we in a weekend at Bernie's scenario right now? Um, I'm sorry, Jeff. I don't get the reference. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Gen X are here at the podium. I love it. Yeah. The guy at the podium said, I got your reference. I'm a Gen Xer. I've seen the movie. I was just watching it the other night. It was on uh, one of the channels. Yeah, that's, uh, that's I mean, really a, a, a hilarious movie and a great concept. Working, weekend at Bernie's 2, not so much. Den of Borders on corpse abuse. <laughs> 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 I mean, the first one probably does too, but uh, at least it was funny. I mean, that, that first scene where he's dead and they've got him on the couch and he's leaning back and he's got his sunglasses on. and There's a the, cig the, dangling from his lip. The, yeah, and like the, the roaming, roving party from house to house <laughs> there on the beach. Everybody comes in. One lady gets drugs out of his pocket. <laughs> I think another lady, his ex-girlfriend, boned him. Yes. <laughs> Rigor mortis must have been setting in. I don't know. Oh, but. boy. That, that Now, that's a movie from my youth, for sure. Jonathan we, Silverman but, was in that. No relation, I don't think, to, to Sarah, by the way. Um, man, it's it's a bloodbath over at ESPN today. Have yeah, you seen all the firings? On? We've known for a while that firings were coming at ESPN. Because they've been hemorrhaging money last couple of years. And today, a lot of the known on-air personalities will let go. ESPN has fired Jeff Van Gundy from the NBA. Max Kellerman. Wow. Susie Colbert. I want to kiss you. <laughs> Susie Colbert, famous from uh, having Joe Namath take a shot. Keyshawn Johnson, Steve Young, Jeez. Matt Hasselback, Todd Mache, and Jalen Rose all fired so far from ESPN today. I mean, a lot of those, they're going to have to get a brand new NFL lineup, analyst lineup for, I mean, all those names you mentioned. NBA Steve too. East. Van Gundy and Jalen Rose both bounced out. Imagine Jalen Rose being bounced from ESPN because he thought he was going to be safe because he's turned super left. He's become very political, even though he's one of the dumbest guys alive. Which brings us to great moments in Jalen Rose history. This is when Jalen Rose was on air at ESPN and he really wanted to make a political statement. Here's the thing. The Black Lives Matter protest was actually taking place because Jacob Blake was shot and killed by police officers. Oh. Narrator. But Jacob Blake wasn't shot and killed by police officers. <laughs> In fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's still alive and got a settlement. He's very much alive. He's very much alive, but Jalen Rose says Black Lives Matter, the whole movement happened because police killed Jacob Blake. There's a lot of things wrong with that. Great moments in Jalen Rose history. This is when 
he was on Celebrity Jeopardy, and it was like the SNL sketch, Celebrity Jeopardy. He did that poorly. He was negative when it went to Final Jeopardy, but because he's playing for charity dollars, they just gave him some money to play with. My favorite part of this is the host is looking for a state. You're going to hear this. <laughs> looking for a state. This New England state is known for chowder, old money, and being the home of TV's Gilmore Girls. Jalen. What is New England? No. New England's not a state, Jalen. <laughs> it's not a state. It's like it's like a region with compromising like five or six states, right? Right. <laughs> Predominantly, people think of Massachusetts because yeah, yeah, yeah. the Patriots are New England and they're based in Foxborough. Maine and New but, Hampshire, yeah. right? Connecticut. The answer they're looking for was Connecticut, but New England is not a state. That's hilarious. If he would have said any of those other states we just mentioned, you could chalk it up to, well, okay, at least he named a state. That should have been the question for Jalen Rose, like the SNL sketch. Jalen Rose, name a state, any state. <laughs> Uh, New England. The police killed Jacob Blake. Shocking that this uh, this gentleman's no longer with ESPN. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. Joe Biden and the Democrats taking some major L's when it comes to Supreme Court decisions. Uh, we're talking and no more affirmative action in colleges. Uh, we're talking uh, that Colorado compelled speech case. We're talking, uh, yeah, n- that's a big no to uh, um, uh, student debt relief. And I mean, this dates back to a year ago around Roe v. Wade. And this is how important Donald Trump was to the conservative movement. One of the major accomplishments during his administration is appointing three uh, conservative judges to the Supreme Court. Joe Biden speaking right now about how upset he is that the free college that he wanted to pass out to everybody was ruled uh, down by the Supreme Court earlier today. We're not going to bring you the audio because you guys don't deserve that. <laughs> but at any point, if we get a squint and a lean in and a repeat the line or end of quote we'll bring that to you a little bit later on let's go back to yesterday all right because yesterday is when affirmative action for the universities was struck down by the supreme court and this headline and this article from the new york times kind of makes it sound like black and latino people are too stupid to know what's best for them Now, this is the New York Times, quote, the Supreme Court rejected affirmative action at Harvard and UNC. The major ruling curtails race conscious college admissions in the United States, all but ensuring that elite institutions become whiter and more Asian and less black Latino. That's Hmm. not necessarily the case. All the Supreme Court said was, Yeah, we're not letting you in just based on your race anymore. It's merit-based. So the New York Times goes out and says, this all but ensures it's going to be whiter. Well, hell, that's a backhanded compliment to people of color, isn't it? Well, here's the thing. If I'm somebody, if I'm a minority and I'm I'm given an opportunity just by the simple fact that I'm a minority, it's it's kind of, it, it takes away from the accomplishment. 
I mean, Joe Biden said he was going to uh, put in and install a black uh, Supreme Court justice. And the only reason uh, she is there right now, Katanji Brown Jackson, the only reason she's there is because of her skin color. Joe Biden said it. And <laughs> I mean, we, we all see the irony here, right? Right. I see what you're saying, 100%. Right? The Supreme Court strikes down affirmative action. You can't pick somebody based solely on the race. That's exactly what Joe Biden did. That's exactly what he did with Kamala Harris for the, uh, the vice president nod. But looking at this New York Times story, imagine you are a Latino that really studies in high school, or you're somebody from the black community that has great grades, awesome, you know, extracurricular activities, all that kind of stuff. And you see, well, this ruling all but ensures the universities will become whiter. Why is that? It doesn't ensure anything. If you've got a better resume than somebody else, go with it. Run with it. The sky is the limit. We have had a black president of the United States who was elected not once, but twice. And what cracks me up is you've got the Obamas rage tweeting about this. Guess where they're at right now? They're on some fancy yacht party celebrating with their elite buddies. Pictures of them on this yacht party have been leaked out to social media, but they're super impressed. Mm, Boy, what kind of carbon footprint is that big giant yacht leaving behind, Hammer? So ridiculous. No, no, no. This New York Times story kind of reminds me a few years ago when Joe Biden was speaking to, I believe it was a Hispanic group, and basically said that everybody in the black community thinks alike and they lack diversity in their thoughts. Yes. And by the way, what you all know, but most people don't know, unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly (laughs) different attitudes about different things. The other community I just mentioned, they all think alike. They all think alike. Every single one of them. I mean, he has a history of that. Oh, he's a horrible, horrible person who says racist things constantly. You ain't black. You can't work at a 7-Eleven unless you've got an Indian accent. Quote Joe Biden. Um, Last night, Vivek Ramaswamy was talking about race-based systems in this country. He appeared with Sean Hannity in front of his live audience. So one of those values, Sean, that defines the American values themselves is meritocracy, that you get ahead in this country, not on the color of your skin, but on the content of your character and your contributions. I have lived that American dream. That means something to me. And I think the Supreme Court stood on the side of justice today. But that's not enough. This is a step on the way to really now eliminating race-based preferences in every sphere of our lives. On the day that I launched my presidential campaign this February, I pledged to rescind the executive order written by Lyndon Johnson that creates affirmative action race-based preferences in the economy. That requires any company that does business with the federal government, that's over 20% of the U.S. workforce today, to adopt these same race-based systems. I've said that as U.S. president, I would take a line and cross out that executive order. We are done judging you on the basis of the color of your skin. We're restoring merit, putting that merit back into America. Imagine being upset with that. Imagine being upset that the idea of race isn't going to determine whether I get this job or get into this school or not and being upset with that. But that's that's the very definition of woke is race over merit 
gender and sexuality over merit. I mean, that's one of the, I mean, that's how you define uh, perpetually, perpetually oppressed because of my skin color. And for that, I deserve reparations. And even though I'm not as qualified as maybe somebody else that's a different uh, ethnicity, I deserve that position. That's the very definition of woke. We started an all-new segment the other day, and it was so popular, we're going to bring it back. Oh. It's called Joe Biden's Fine, Nothing to See Here. And now, Hannah and Nigel present Joe Biden's Fine, Nothing to See Here. Nothing to see here. Please disperse. Did you see Joe Biden just get up and wander off the set of NBC News? Did well, you see that? Uh, yes. And I was thinking maybe he had to do what you just did at the end of the segment. The last <laughs> segment. He had to, you just got up and put the headphones down. Yeah, but he wears a diaper. I don't. <laughs> yes. But yes, I saw a very strange, uh, just in the middle of the segment, him getting up and wandering off. So a couple days ago. Joe Biden was discussing the uh, I-95 bridge collapse that took place in Pennsylvania. This was at some event he was doing, and he was asked about it. I want you to listen to this because it sounds like a toddler is describing what happened in Pennsylvania. Uh, Last week, we were open (laughs) I-95 back where I live. You go up the East Coast. It's one of the most important links in the entire East Coast. Well, guess what? Less than we, a guy driving a truck hit a butt. Anyway, knocked down a whole bridge and the whole box, four lanes of the highway. Oh, let's go get some juice. <laughs> it sounds like a toddler. He's the president of the United States. Now, who described uh, that bridge accident better? Was it Joe Biden right there? Yes. Or Pennsylvania Senator John oh, Fetterman? No. Oh, no, I, 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 uh, would, would, would just um, really like to, you know, the 95, 95, 95, you know, um, you know, obviously, the, you know, you're pretty much preoccupied with, with 95, and I, know, I certainly am too, and we know it's a major uh, eatery, not, not just for, for Pennsylvania, but for the East, the East Coast. And a lot of Pennsylvanians oh are worried that the delays and repairs bring to okay, you can stop that right there. The you're, you're, gonna, you're asking me which which describe the bridge collapse better, Biden or Fetterman? Maybe the question is which is worse. <laughs> like if you I, I didn't know anything about the situation, whose breakdown made you understand it better? I have no clue what Fetterman was was saying, and I did not understand a word Joe Biden was saying. I can't make a decision like that. What I, if I, I told just... you that in order to sweeten the pot a little bit, we will have Fetterman also calling Joe Biden, who's standing next to him, a collapsed bridge? I'm standing next to the president again, next to a, a collapsed bridge here. <laughs> There's not a better description of the current president of the United States than a collapsed bridge. I don't know what is. <laughs> like, people can say it's mean all you want. Well, he's had a stroke. Well, Joe Biden's old. Yeah. But they're making decisions for us. They're making decisions for our health care, our finances, our national security. So, yeah, it's okay to point out the fact that these guys lost their fastball a long time ago. 
it's perfectly fine. So here's what we've done. We've got a little uh, bridge montage here of Biden and Fetterman. Uh, last week, we were open in 95, 95, 95, you know, um, you know. Well, guess what? <laughs> less than we, a guy driving a truck hit a butt back. Anyway. And now I'm standing next to That's the president awful. again, next to a, a collapsed bridge here. And he is here to commit to work with the governor and the, the, the delegation, delegation to make sure that we get this fixed. This is a president that is committed to infrastructure. infrastructure. Yeah, and then on top of that, uh, the, the jewel uh, kind of a uh, jewel. Uh, law of the inflation bill. Fetterman's fine and Joe Biden's fine. Nothing to see here. What was that? It's a bad. Joe Biden's fine. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Anyway. That was exhausting. <laughs> like, I'm tired after listening to that. It's embarrassing that these people have power. Again, they're making decisions for all of us. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this. Anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Ever how do we play? Is this anything? I'll run some stories by you. You just tell us if it's anything or not. It's pretty simple. Is this anything? People in Ohio called the police when they saw a car with a long brunette hair hanging out of the trunk. Oh, no. Here's the moment that an officer knocked on the door to ask, what the hell's going on out here? Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? Oh, Jesus. The craziest thing, you're not going to believe. What happened? So we got a call. Somebody's concerned. Are you like a hairstylist? No. So there's like hair hanging out of your thumb? Oh, my Jesus. Someone's like... Oh, that's my wig. Oh, hold on. That's part of my wig. Hold on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get this straight. You might have to play it again, Nathaniel. <laughs> I didn't know where this was going. So, <laughs> so somebody, so somebody saw this woman's car parked in the driveway, or they're rolling behind her, or something, and they see a bunch of hair hanging out the back. Right. The person calls nine one one, thinks there might be a body or a human being trapped in this trunk. So they call nine one one, and I'm not sure if I heard this woman say. Did she say that was her weave? <laughs> can, can we just play that again, Nathaniel? Go ahead. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? Oh, Jesus. The craziest thing you're not going to believe. What happened? So we got a call. Somebody's concerned. Are you like a hairstylist? No. So there's like hair hanging out of your thumb? Oh, my Jesus. Someone's like... Oh, that's my weave. Oh, hold on. That's my weave. Hold on. Oh, my Jesus. Uh, <laughs> that is... 
Tremendous. That is wonderful. <laughs> You've seen those idiots before, uh, like rolling around on the road with like a fake hand hanging out the back of their trunk, like during Halloween and stuff like that. Right. That's kind of what I was imagining there, but I, I, I could have never imagined. Uh, oh my Jesus, that's my weed. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> that's great. And you know the cop too. It's got to be just like cringy. <laughs> like, I can't believe I have to knock on this woman's door. I know exactly what this is. It's her weave. Well, who knows? Maybe he was relieved depending on what oh, he's true. seen in yeah. his life. You know, maybe he's pulled over some good fellas before there was a body right. in the trunk. Yep. Who knows? Is this anything? Here's a doorbell cam audio of a neighbor kid trying to return a bike helmet, but nobody's home. Okay. Even worse, mom and dad are at separate jobs giving him completely different instructions because they can't hear each other, <laughs> and the poor kid is confused as hell. Hey, buddy. Sorry, Jada's not here today. Well, he left his helmet. Okay, can you just leave it there at the door? Hey, don't leave it there. Just take it Thank home you, with you. And then um, when we get home tonight, um, I'll send him over, and he can play with y'all, and you can get it take to him it. then, Okay. Yeah, because I don't want so anybody else to steal it. No, you can just leave it there at the door. <laughs> I can have them play with you later, and you can give it to them then, okay? So I'm leaving it yeah. No, don't leave it there. Take it home with you. Thank you. I don't want anybody to steal it. No, you can just leave it there, buddy. That sounds that's like some threes company kind of crap confusion going on there. Because the mom and the dad are both at separate locations and they can't hear each other. They can only hear the kid. Right. And this poor kid doesn't know whether to leave the bike helmet there or take it with him because he's getting told two different things. That is something. <laughs> that is so funny. Let's do one more here. All right, we got time. Is this anything? It now costs $70 to get a bottle of sriracha sauce yeah. after chili crop failures have raised wow. prices for the condiments online. This really isn't anything I'm new. Not, it's been hard to find. These shortages and droughts have caused problems the last couple of years. Just last year, a California restaurant was giving away free food in exchange for for sriracha sauce bottles. Here's a restaurant owner making the pitch. For the full-size 28-ounce bottles, you get either a free bun meat sandwich, free order of summer rolls, or a free order of popcorn chicken. For those 17-ouncers, we'll get you half off. I put sriracha on everything. I ran out of my last bottle, and we ordered one on shipped, like the, through the you know the delivery service, the grocery delivery service, and they brought me some generic sriracha stuff, like the Kroger brand. I'm like, what's going on here? And I looked it up, and yeah, seventy dollars a bottle because the the chili powder. I I don't. You're not like a hot sauce guy, are you? I'm a so, hot sauce guy, but sriracha is not really oh kind of my favorite. I love it. And I would definitely pay $70 for it. Easy. Easy. Now, My I've, youngest I've, loves it. He I've, puts it on like ramen noodles and I've stuff. I've had to go back to Frank's Hot Sauce because we can't find any at the, at the but household. But they're all with so. Frank's Hot Sauce. First world problems here. I understand it. But uh, we got to get the... And by the way, if you're a Sriracha fan, there's a great Netflix documentary. I don't know if it's still on Netflix or not, but kind of the history and the, um, the, the history surrounding the creation and the company that makes Sriracha. It's really good. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.
listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the DriveHubler.com hotline. Robert Lighthizer was sworn in as the 18th United States Trade Representative in 2017. Ambassador Lighthizer spearheaded a number of agreements, USTR, including the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. He's got a brand new book out, No Trade is Free changing course taking on china and helping america's workers ambassador thank you so much for joining us in indianapolis how are you i'm doing great and thank you for having me so the key part of this title of the book is taking on china for me i'm curious as to your thoughts as somebody who has been in the seat somebody who's had to deal with china what do you think is going on right now so so that's a really important question I always in this analysis say let's start with the. You have to determine whether or not you think they're benign, friendly, or antagonistic, whether they're an adversary. And I, I just like to spend one minute just kind of going through it quickly. They flat do not like us. They're building up their army, the biggest in the world, their navy. They're militarizing the South China Sea. They're building navy bases in Africa. They're building them in, in, in uh, military, at least eavesdropping, probably more than that, in Cuba. They spy on us. They send the spy balloon. They hack our, our businesses. You, you know, they're, they, they're threatening Taiwan. They're actually threatening Japan. At least they're going arriving, putting their battles. So what I want to say is, you got to start with the proposition that, by their own words, they want to be number one in the world, and they want to stop us from being number one in the world. All right, so that's that's the, the, the basic starting point. And then you kind of say, where are we? Well, we're in a we're in a, a lethal competition, and right now we're losing it. We began. We need to change a course. We began to change that course when. Donald Trump was the first president to take on this um, this problem with China, right? And and um, there are military aspects of it which national security people worry about, but the, what I worry about is the economic aspect of it. And right now we're running up huge deficits with them. Have for years, for the last twenty years, probably transferred six trillion dollars, and have really built up their economy, built up their navy, built up their technology, all of which is challenging us. And and we have to begin the process of turning that around. That's and that basically is the overview. So, Mr. Lighthizer, you were Trump's top trade advisor in the administration. You're a key player in the the phase one trade agreement. Um, what happened to that? And and is, is China sort of a necessary evil right now for our economy to function? So, so, I mean, the reality is that we have to make a course correction. We have to really phase it in. But there's China is look at China is decoupling from us, except they want to keep selling stuff to us. But they're but they're buying less and less from us. They, every now and then I get this kind of thing. Well, gosh, haven't we already lost? Right. They you know, they're they're doing so much better than we are. And I don't buy that. I think they have a lot of problems, too. But they're going to prevail if we don't make a change. Now, are we dependent on them? In a lot of ways, yes. 
Are they dependent on us in a lot of ways? Yeah, they're dependent on us because we ship them four or five, six hundred billion dollars worth of uh, U.S. dollars every year. But we have to begin the process of disentangling our technology, stopping the outflow of cash from them and keeping that money here or if you want, sending it to, uh, to allies. And then, and then, you know, do corrections on the investment going each way. So, in the short run, there is some dependence, but it's only going to get worse if we don't do something now. That's kind of my position, and I, and I think it's a, pre, a prevailing view of Republicans and Democrats on the Hill. I think it's more and more the view people understand the nature of the problem and realize we have to take stops, we have to take serious steps right now. To, to, um, to change course. We're speaking with Ambassador Robert Lighthizer. He's got a new book out, No Trade is Free, Changing Course, Taking on China and Helping America's Workers. So how f- quickly could a fix be? Because the relationship right now between the United States and China is pretty awful. China is not respecting Joe Biden at all. So if a new president comes in in 2024, whether that's Donald Trump, whether that's Ron DeSantis or whoever, can the relationship with China be saved? And how long of a process does that take? So so implicit in that is that that we want to have a particular relationship with China. Look, at I wish that they weren't a hostile adversary that's trying to um, hurt America. I wish that. But that's not going to change, right? So just make up your mind. That's not going to change. That's been, been true since the communists got there, and it's, it's going to continue to be true during our lifetime. So the question is, how do we coexist with them and not – in the process, make them stronger and us weaker, right? You're never going to be in a position where China is going to be benign. That is just naive and foolish. They, they have a, a philosophy that they belong number one in the world. They think they were for 2,000 years. And anyone in their way is a problem. You will art on top of that the fact that they think capitalism and free democratic government is wrong and that their system of totalitarian communism is right, you put those things together, we're never going to be in a position where we're going to say, oh, it's great, we get along with China. So the question is, how do you manage the relationship? And for me, the number one thing is stop shipping them huge amounts of money and shipping them technology, right? That seems like the there is the old expression when you're in the in the hole stop digging that is literally the first thing we have to do it's it's like I, we're we're funding we're funding the rise and power of our rivals mr and, and it's, it's never happened you have said it exactly right and it's never happened before in history any country so how was how was the relationship with china different before donald trump came in and did, you know, the phase one trade agreement and the tariffs, and I'm sure China didn't like that. Was was it, how different was it before, you know, you, and of course you were, a, a, again, a key player and Trump's top trade advisor. How was it different before Donald Trump took over and what's different now? Well, let me say, first of all, there was a perception around the world that China wasn't, or at least in, the, in this country and in most of the world, that, that China 
wasn't that big a problem. Yes. There was no focus by American businesses on the fact that they are literally feeding the crocodile that is going to eat us. Nobody focused on all their unfair trade. Nobody focused on their technology theft and the like. So what this president, what President Trump did is he then went in, he authorized me to do an investigation, which I did under one statute that was that would permit him to raise tariffs. And then we raised tariffs and, and we put in export controls. We did all these kinds of things that you would expect to begin the process of decoupling. But probably the most important thing we did is we, we, we made it clear to American businesses and to the Chinese that it was no longer business as usual. We were we were now on to them and we were changing course. We were we were going to take steps to minimize the damage that we were doing to ourselves. And and to me, that's really that momentous change is, is one of the one of President Trump's greatest accomplishments is the fact that he you know, what it would be a little bit like in your mind. It would be like it would be literally like Winston Churchill in the 30s saying, you know, Germany's a problem. Germany's a problem. And the government thinking, what do you mean? I, I'll, I'll give you a funny example on that. Neville Chamberlain, who you're all familiar with and appeasement and all of that. Before he was prime minister, he was chancellor of the exchequer. And he literally in the late 30s approved the sale of Rolls Royce airplane engines to Nazi Germany to put on their planes. And people, I'm not kidding. This is a true story. And people would ask him why he did it. And he said, trade like religion knows no borders. I mean, literally, wow. that's, that's, it's like breathtaking. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, 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 and that's, you know, that's more or less where we were. They would say, well, all right, China's not perfect, but you know, we got a, we got a lot of people in New York who are getting really rich in, in, on wall street and some tech guys that are getting really rich and ignore the fact that, you know, Indiana, so, where you guys are, Ohio, where I'm from, they're all, those small communities are all getting wiped yeah. out. So is there a modern day version of, you know, the, the Munich Agreement from, from, the night, from the late 30s that, that Neville, Neville Chamberlain uh, signed? Is so, like Yeah, the appeasement. I mean, one thing to remember is that we use the term appeasement. Appeasement was an official policy we use it as like a, a, a pejorative it was the official policy of the conservative party under three prime ministers for 10 years and the whole notion was we'll just stabilize our relationship you hear that word now with china we'll oh, stabilize yeah. our relationship you know you don't stabilize a relationship if it's not if if the trajectory of the relationship means that you're going to lose so you don't want to stabilize that but so is there is there a modern day equivalent of the big giveaway? My guess is you'll be able to say that if 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 um, Joe Biden is reelected, because I think that he, he gets rid of the tariffs and 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 gets rid of a lot of the export control. So I, every time he's together or has a conversation 
with Xi Jinping. I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for just what you said. Scary stuff. Yeah. We're all waiting for Joe Biden to come away with a handful of magic beans and all of our money go to China when Joe Biden's involved. Um, The book is phenomenal. No trade is free. Changing course, taking on China, helping America's workers. This is a phenomenal book. You will be smarter. You will see common sense. And the man behind it is Robert Lighthizer. Thank you so much, Ambassador. We appreciate your time joining us here in Indy. Well, thank you. It was a, it was a pleasure to be with you, and, 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 and say hello to all my friends in Indiana. You got it. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. <laughs> yeah. What up? This is Dr. Dre. The party's going on. <laughs> thank God it's Friday. The Hammer and Nigel Show. So aspartame is going to be declared a possible carcinogen hammer by the World Health Organization. Aspartame, of course, is the it's one of the most commonly used artificial sweeteners replacing sugar, like in diet sodas. Like, what are you? Are you? What do you got, got there? Big, oh, you, big diet Mountain Dew right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I don't like to that's hear about this. About the only diet drink I still consume occasionally is a diet Mountain Dew. It is the but nectar it's, of it's, the gods. It's, it's it's considered quote possibly carcinogen carcinogenic carcinogenic to humans. Um, and this is like this is like a historical thing. It's like a first time by the international this international agency is like, yeah, look, that stuff is not good for you. I would rather drink a a regular Coke with real sugar in it than that aspartame stuff. So you're telling me all of this sweet, delicious nectar of the gods that I've been drinking from Diet Mountain Dew could give me cancer. Man, Joe Biden, now more than ever, we need you. If I'm elected president, we're going to cure cancer. Come on, big guy. Daddy needs you. There's a lot of Diet Mountain Dew in this belly. Come on, Joe. Uh We need that uh, antidote. If you're sitting on it still, pass it out. All right, coming up here in just a little bit, we will uh, talk a little bit about the power situation. Still, a lot of people without power around central Indy. There was a press conference earlier today. The AES folks, Boss Hogsett, city leaders, they were all a part of that. We'll get you up to date next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. Uh, do you have any clue as to whether or not your power is back on yet after the storms yesterday? That's a big negative oh, there, Ghost Rider. Boy. No power at Casa de Hammer. Well, so, and you just told me you got, you just went to the grocery. So a couple what, days ago, you know, yeah. You break out the cooler and go get some ice at the gas station and put all that food in there. Well, if it's going to be like 90 degrees tonight and tomorrow, these storms, 
we're thinking about possibly getting a hotel. That's a good idea. If the power's not coming back on. But if so if had, we get a hotel, I'm not going back to keep icing down the stuff we bought. I wonder if you could turn it into, like, say, for instance, you had just bought, like, a quarter cow, which is, a you know, $500, and right. they process it for you and wrap it up for you, and all that crap's ruined. I, I'm pretty sure you could turn that into insurance. That's an option. I mean, I don't, I don't know, know when don't the power is going to come back on. I'm looking at the AES website, here. I'm sorry, their Twitter feed, rather. And they say that crews are still out there working hard, and they've brought in crews from Illinois and Ohio and Tennessee. Uh, roughly 2,600 incidents caused Jeez. this outage of the network, mainly caused by high winds. Uh, there were some fallen trees, down power lines. But they mentioned something earlier today that I did not like to hear. This is Christina Lund. She's the president and CEO of AES. She mentions that this still could be a multi-day restoration event. We have brought in additional crews from surrounding states, including Illinois, Tennessee, and Ohio. So we are getting help from our neighboring states, and it is greatly appreciated. We are continuing to work through significant damage to power lines and equipment. In fact, there were roughly 2,600 incidents causing outages on our network. And so each one of these does need to be addressed to fully restore our customers. Most of them were caused by the high winds, fallen trees, and downed power lines. And because of this situation, we do expect a multi-day restoration Jeez. effort. You know, it was frustrating for me last night. I didn't get home. I I, I didn't get home uh, until like 10 or 11 o'clock last night. So I'm in my neighborhood and all the lights are on and all my neighbors. And, and, and then I pulled down my court. Or my court's dark. <laughs> there still didn't have power. And like, wait, everybody else in my neighborhood has power except my court? Is it me? Doesn't that tick you off? And now, as soon now as lucky, as soon as I pulled in, the power came back on. Uh, oh, our bite me! Street. Yeah, Just so, bite me! Uh, but it was ten o'clock. <laughs> but but you said you had the same situation where your neighbors across the street from you have power. Yeah, the no good rotten punks across the street from me. <laughs> They've got power, but my house doesn't. Now, if you're looking for some advice, if you're like me and you're still sitting in the darkness and there's some severe weather coming there's some heat coming you're not quite sure what to do take the advice of boss hogset stay safe and drink a lot uh, i hope residents uh, are keeping safe uh, after our city experienced some really bad storms yesterday as of this morning nearly 50,000 residents were without power in the larger Indianapolis area. Uh, with the heat advisory in effect, however, uh, residents, especially those without power, need to stay hydrated and they need to stay cool. Need to stay hydrated. Okay, yeah. Well, Hawk said telling you to drink a lot. It could be taken right. multiple ways. <laughs> At the end, he should have went full Rodney Dangerfield and Caddyshack. And I'm buying. We're all going to get lucky. And then the music kicks on. I will say, doesn't it seem like the infrastructure in terms of the power grid is sort of flimsy? I mean, that was a really quick storm that blew through yesterday. Right. And for people not still not to have power 24 48 hours later. I mean, imagine what happens if China or Russia or somebody hacks in to this. 
uh, to the grid. What oh, we're in trouble. Then? I mean, the next attack on the United States, and I know we talked about this earlier, yeah, but the next fine. attack uh, yeah. on the United States isn't going to be planes in a building or bombs on an island. It's going to be our power grid shutting down. Because think about it, man. People can't eat. They can't open up their refrigerator or cook things or microwave things. If you've got an electric car, where are you charging <laughs> that bad boy at? You're stuck. You're a sitting <laughs> duck, man. You can't access scary, yeah. some bank information you can't get gps to work we are reliant on electricity in this country uh supreme court just passing out l after l to the democrats last couple of days from affirmative action gay websites student loan forgiveness the predominantly conservative supreme court has been doing the work that i think a lot of republicans have been waiting for Clarence Thomas, this is his response to the Biden administration's complaints about the Supreme Court not doing the work of the people. Can you feel that, buddy? (laughs) You got me. Clarence Thomas. right there now, the gay websites thing that that was the thing in colorado where you know if you're a, a a baker and you don't want to bake a gay cake because of your religious views you don't have to right? and That's you don't just, have to make a website for a same-sex type yeah, of situation you're not denying somebody's service you're just not participating in what they're doing correct that's that's it ultimately came down to it was a religious thing more than it was a gay rights thing and that's how the supreme court sided with it it was a six to three vote um speaking of the left they're not happy with the supreme court but at least in the state of wisconsin if you're a democrat this state senator latonya johnson she's bringing levity to the situation take a listen to this She was upset about crime spilling over from the cities to the suburbs. Not because it's happening. She's upset that people are complaining that it's happening. So listen to this very well thought out, rational response from a Wisconsin state senator at their state house. She's upset that people are calling out the cities and their crime. The suburbs. Oh! Because they don't know a goddamn thing about how life is in the city. Okay. In the city. So basically, her defense of people saying, hey, I live in the suburbs, get control of your crime because it's spreading to me, was giving you Ice Cube speech at the end of Boys in the Hood. <laughs> Whether they don't know, don't show, or just don't care about what's going on in the hood. And by the way, what if you live in the suburbs but work in the city? <laughs> am, right. I still, am I still not allowed to have an opinion then? Like They should print wow. t-shirts. The Republicans in Wisconsin should print t-shirts. F the suburbs. This was an elected uh, official. These are the people that are running things, right? Right. The suburbs. Because they don't know a goddamn thing about how life is in the city. I mean, I know a little bit about it. I mean, my my family lives in downtown. Right. You know? Right. I mean, I know she's from Wisconsin, but just because you live in the suburbs doesn't mean you can't be concerned about what's going on in the city. What a lunatic. And we spoke to Johnson County's prosecutor. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay to be concerned about lunatics from one area going to another. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. 
Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. It's been a big news week, especially with all the L's Joe Biden has been taking with the Supreme Court rulings. We've been talking about locally a lot of the crime here in Indianapolis. One of the stories that's been going under the radar uh, is this report that the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security ignored vital information regarding January 6th, information that could have prevented the violence. We're going to bring on law enforcement veteran Michael Letts here on the DriveHubler.com hotline. Michael, how are you? Doing great. Always a privilege to be on your show. Appreciate so much what y'all are doing to... uh Restore justice back in America once again. Yeah, Michael, so, I mean, we'll just, we'll dive right in here. Had the FBI and the DHS acted more on the information that was given to them, could the U.S. Capitol riots have, could they have been a lot more peaceful than what it ended up being? Well, there's no question. I think it actually points to a little deeper perspective. It points to the fact that the uh, speaker, uh, Mr. Pelosi at the time, and various components knew good and well what was transpiring and uh, had an active role in making sure it was done. And why would we make that statement? You look at the intel that the FBI had, and a fragment, a fraction of it was true. They would have reasonably raised red flags and would have put in the proper security measures to make sure that the issue was contained and controlled. They would have never arrived at that point. But you see, here's the problem. The FBI and the DOJ and Homeland Security have now lost their trust with the American people. We've caught them red-handed lying uh, on numerous occasions. And, of course, it's not just the lies that are making this such a uh, concerning effort. It's the fact that they are knowingly committing felonies and not being held accountable. What do we mean by that? Well, the FBI, you know, with the uh, Russia Gate, the information that was received in the Durham report. Yeah. Proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that the troubling aspect is the information, the accusations initially made by the DNC and Hillary Clinton, of course, had to be vetted. I mean, that's just standard procedure. And it was vetted, but when it came back that it could be was unsubstantiated and then even begin to come back further that it was actually false, rather than do what they were required by law to do, which would have been to put it in the T file, the trash file, and move on is they actually took that information and went to a FISA court and lied and told them that it was accurate and vetted and true. That's obstruction of justice. That's a felony. When you have your chief law enforcement officer, which is the U.S. Attorney General of Garland, who testifies before Congress that uh, he has not in any way, nor will he in any way interfere with any investigations, political, i.e. the Bidens, then you find whistleblowers that are saying, not only did he intervene, interfere, but he actually ordered that they not produce additional evidence. You see, here's where Garland is trying to mix words. He's trying to say, I never challenged the authority of the U.S. attorney to bring about any prosecutions. The problem is you can't bring about a prosecution without evidence. What he did do is he interfered with the evidence gathering. How did he do that? Anytime the IRS, FBI, or any of the other agents were to ask any questions outside of Hunter Biden, automatically rooted off limits. Right. Right. So you can't build a case 
and produce, proceed with convictions if you can't have the evidence to substantiate them. And the attorney general did intervene, and that is obstruction of justice. That is lying to Congress. Those are both felonies. So when your top law enforcement agencies commit felonies, now you look further down the line, now you have a report that they did not provide the intelligence for January the 6th. You see how many people they've arrested without due cause or probable cause. Why do you think that is, Michael? Like, let me jump in here real quick. Michael, Jason Hammer here. Why do you think that is? Because it's easy, I think, for a lot of people to say, well, this Department of Justice, these feds, they're just in the tank for the left. They're in the tank for Joe Biden right now. You've got 30 years of law experience at your disposal here. Tell us why do you think a lot of this information was ignored? Well, quite frankly, it is not a happenstance. This has been planned for decades. He doesn't just deal with the Biden administration. That's how I want your listeners to understand. And why are they so desperately trying to cover it up? Because, of course, what you see now with Biden is it points to the Obama administration and it points to the Clinton administration. This has been, they have put their people in. When I say their people, what do I mean by that? People that believe in the same ideology, socialism, for years in top key positions. And they have brought on uh, positions that are not political appointments. So they've been there. The top of the, the top echelons of these agencies has been liberal for quite some time. And now that they've committed various oversights and crimes, they don't want it to be exposed. So they're willing to do whatever is necessary to discredit any conservative causes or anybody that's trying to bring this information to light including any us, anybody, anybody that's willing to speak out against it, any radio station that's willing to carry it, they do not like to have their uh, erroneous ways exposed. And it was done for nefarious reasons. We all know that. And it's coming to light. They can't hide it anymore. And they're in deep trouble now. And you listed off a, just a litany of egregious uh, offenses. That, that I mean, to me, the whole Russiagate thing, and, you know, James Comey, then director of the FBI, knowing that uh, the Steele dossier was fake and not telling his underlings. Uh, Biden knew. Obama knew. Everybody knew it was fake. They went along with this anyway. And it just it destroys the faith in the, in the very people that, you know, were paid to protect. So what what do you think needs to happen now to the FBI? I mean, I'm hearing people talk about the complete dismantling of the FBI or removal of the FBI director. Do, do, do charges need to be filed? What happens next? I think all of the above. Uh, well, wow. let's work our way backwards. First of all, you know, those that committed these crimes. You see, here's what I want your listeners to understand. We're not talking about, well, the uh, ideology of conservative versus liberalism. You just don't like my ideology. We're talking about the top agents having committed felonies herself, that cannot stand. You cannot have a law enforcement agency that is corrupt. It just doesn't work with the two-tier justice system. So those that have committed the crimes have to be held accountable. And then agencies that went along with it, everybody that went along with it has to be held accountable. We have to use the purse strings. But I think the biggest thing that we've come to now, I know nobody wants to hear this, is when your top law enforcement agencies refuse to cooperate and are part of felonious activities, who goes, who's over them? The only people left are the military tribunal. We have to bring in a military tribunal now to bring these people to justice because I promise you the Department of Justice and the FBI are not going to investigate themselves. 
or are they going to prosecute themselves? Scary stuff right there from uh, law enforcement vet Michael Letts. Tell me about uh, Invest USA. You, you've you been providing bulletproof vests to police officers through through various charitable groups and sponsorships now for years. Tell us about this organization. Well, the biggest thing we're doing now is making sure we have active shooter vests for all of our officers across the country. And then 90% of them do not have. This is the newest technology because, you know, a concealable vest that you've seen them wear under their shirts will only stop a sidearm, not an assault rifle, a long-range rifle. And that's what our drug cartels and other people are utilizing nowadays to try to destroy our law enforcement. So we've had to make sure they all get active shooter vests. We've got a massive task in front of us. But why are we involved with things you and I just talked about? Because if America, I can give you all the protection you need, but if America doesn't respect this law enforcement anymore, it's a lost cause. And they're questioning whether they should respect it now based on what they're saying. When they see people committing crimes in the FBI, DOJ, to them, a badge is a badge. You know, it's a broad stroke for everybody. And that's why we have to take such a firm stance about rooting out corruption and dealing with it the same as anybody else would. And where can people find out more details about uh, Invest USA? They go to our website. That's www.investusa.org. It's a charity.org. All these commentaries, a list of things they can do. Let me kind of wind up by saying, Tell our first responder today, wave to them, smile them. If you see them in a line in a restaurant, say thank you for your willingness to put your life on the line to protect us. The morale is in the tanker right now across the country. We need to do something to turn that around. Michael Letts, law enforcement veteran, thank you for your service and what you do, sir. Have a great 4th of July weekend. We'll talk to you soon. You the same. God bless you. God bless America. Okay, coming up next, uh, we move to international affairs. What went down with Russia and Ukraine, the armed rebellion, the uprising with the Wagner Group? Worst coup ever. (laughs) Worst coup attempt ever. Uh, We'll tell you all you need to know from one of our favorite guests, Francis Martel from uh, Breitbart. She's the world editor. That's next after the news, 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel Jason Hammer right over there. Uh, we'll go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on Breitbart World editor Francis Martell. Uh, welcome back to the show, Francis. Happy 4th of July weekend. How are you? Happy 4th of July. Thanks so much for having me on the show. So about a week ago, I was glued to the TV. I could not stop watching this thing with Russia and the Wagner Group and some guy named Prigozhin and this armed rebellion uprising against Putin and Russia. And I remember I I actually texted you because I was like, I bet you thought you were going to have the weekend off, didn't you? Um, yeah, so, I, had, I had just pulled out a beer, and I had to turn it in for coffee. <laughs> so tell me, I mean, so this thing was fascinating to me. I couldn't take, it seemed like it ended uh, just as soon as it started. It t- take me through what happened, why it was important. Who is Prigozhin and the Wagner Group, and how they work alongside Russia, and why did they decide to turn on Putin and Russia last weekend? 
Absolutely. So Wagner is a paramilitary mercenary group. It's kind of, it's a private entity, um, but it's kind of soldiers for hire, and they do a lot of work with the Russian government to essentially benefit the interests of the Russian government. So they're active. They were active until this week, basically, in the Ukrainian battlefield. They're very, very active in Mali, Central African Republic, Congo. Um, they sort of go into places where the Russian military doesn't go and do the dirt, and they do the dirty work. Um, Prigozhin is the head of that organization, and he has been complaining for months now that he doesn't feel that the Russian defense ministry is supporting Wagner enough in Ukraine, that they basically left the mercenaries there to do their worst in Ukraine, and they didn't support, they didn't offer enough weapons or support or planning to actually win the invasion of Ukraine, and that they were also insufficiently preparing their soldiers, that the Russian military itself was, you know, these young teenage men who had no real preparation for the horrors of the battlefield. Um, And so what happened this weekend is he posted a a video where he finally said he accused the defense ministry, and and it's important to say the defense ministry and not Putin, because he has said repeatedly he does not have any problem with Putin. He believes that the leaders of the defense ministry um, are swindling uh, Putin, essentially. And he said that the defense ministry attacked Wagner killed about 2,000 of his men, which we don't know if that's true or not still, um, and that he was going to march onto Moscow in retaliation for that because the alternative was to watch his men be massacred. And so that's kind of where we were last weekend. And then 24 hours later, the dictator of Belarus comes in and says, we figured it out, Prigozhin's going to Belarus, nothing to see here, everybody go back to normal. (laughs) Wow. And so people were going crazy. You know, the, the mayor of Moscow was saying, everybody stay home, stay in for the weekend. Uh, there were rumors that Putin flew out of Moscow uh, to St. Petersburg in a compound. Um, I th- How big a deal was it that the Wagner group, these paid mercenaries that are, are, are working alongside the Russian military, how big a deal was it when they marched back into Russia and took over a Russian town and the military base where they were conducting um, missions in the Ukraine and then marching towards Moscow. I mean, that was a big deal, right? Yes, that is a tremendous deal. And in a video Prigozhin made after calling off the, the mutiny, he said something that I think is really important because it's going to resonate with the Russian people. He said, the way that I marched into Rostov-on-Don, which is the, the strategic city that he marched into first, and the way that I was marching into Moscow was basically little little to no resistance that's how we should have marched into kiev and we didn't and whose fault is that the defense ministry and now your kids meaning the russian people your kids are dying in ukraine because these fat cats are incompetent and and that was that's why it's such a big deal is that this is kind of a popular appeal by a rogue paramilitary organization um to uh to defy the defense ministry to say your leaders are failing you and 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 he, he again he emphasizes it's not Putin's fault. It's Sergei Shoigu, the, the defense minister's fault, and you should demand better leadership because your children shouldn't die for these people. Francis Jason Hammer here, and I was watching this too, and the first thing that came to my mind was Russia just looks unorganized. They look in disarray. Like if you go back five years ago. I think the reputation of Russia and Putin was, oh, man, this is this really smart, savvy KGB guy. They've got state-of-the-art weapons. They've got state-of-the-art spying, all this new capability. But over the last five years, I think that reputation's taken a big hit, hasn't it? 
Yes, absolutely. I, I think the biggest problem for Putin now is that it looks like, you know, he lost control of the classroom. Like, he's yeah. a teacher, and now the kids are throwing spitballs at each other, and he's just sitting there watching it happen. Um, and so the talking point from the Kremlin is actually he's extremely competent because look at how quickly it was resolved. You know, there was a mutiny, and it disappeared in 24 hours. But the question I have is, you know, what serious major world power has a, a rogue mercenary unit invading its capital. I mean, can you imagine in China, like just a like rogue right. military invading Beijing? No, it would never happen. Xi Jinping doesn't even, you know, Xi Jinping purges people that are on his side who look a little too charismatic. Whereas Putin let Prigozhin elevate his profile and defy his defense minister. It looks really bad. And so where is this, this Wagner warlord Prigozhin now and how long before he winds up with poison in his boxers <laughs> it's a good question right um so we believe he's in minsk in the capital of belarus um we believe he's uh good friends with uh with lukashenko who's the dictator in belarus so um the sentiment at least publicly according to the russian government is that he's just going to hang out in belarus and he's going to be fine. But it's very hard to believe that, yeah, right? If, know. if you know anything anything about a dictator, having, you know, organizing a failed armed mutiny is not really something that you get away with. Um, and so that leaves a lot of questions, right? This um, The big comparison in my head that, that this brings me to is the failed coup in Turkey in 2016, mm -hmm. where um, Erdogan that was another coup that ended in like 24 hours because Erdogan showed up on FaceTime and told his people to go out into the streets and fight the soldiers. And it worked somehow. Um, and everybody involved in that was purged. Um, so I, I don't see how there's a, an exit to this other than um, if there is a conspiracy out there that this was coordinated, that Prigozhin staged an uprising to see who within the Russian military mm. would join him, and then those are the people that are going to be purged. But there's no evidence for that. You know, that's that's speculation because everyone's asking what you're asking, like how is this guy alive? And so that's one of the possibilities out there. And uh, last question on this: Does this weaken Putin's position and Russia's position in Ukraine, or is this just going to keep going on and on and on? Well, it depends on what Wagner does in Belarus. If if the Wagner folks decide to use Belarus as a platform to attack Ukraine again, then I think Putin actually comes out a little strengthened. But there's no guarantee, you know, it, it, it's clear that he doesn't control those people, right? So sure. if the Wagner people do not, if those soldiers don't go back into Ukraine and don't help the Russian military, then Putin's position is significantly weakened. Our guest is Francis Martel, the Breitbart News International Editor joining us here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Francis, you mentioned uh, Beijing about a minute or two ago. This little alliance, if you want to call it that, with Cuba is fascinating. And it feels like it's been kind of underreported here in the United States. The Wall Street Journal, uh, they claim that China planning to build this military training facility in Cuba, you know, approximately 90 miles from the southern tip of Florida. Take me through what the latest is with this. Is this something we should really be concerned with? We should absolutely be concerned. Um, we have a very important military base on that island, on Cuba. Um, and every, you know, with the exception of Trump, really, every president has 
treated Cuba as an afterthought. And every dictator, you know, China, Russia, Iran, um, every that Turkey even, um, has treated Cuba as a priority. And that's a huge problem. So what we know about the relationship between Cuba and China is that uh, Cuba joined the Belt and Road Initiative, I believe it was in 2018. Um, Belt and Road is the debt trap initiative where China gives you a predatory loan and then builds things in your country, and then they they flood the country with their operatives, and then they use your, your country as a base. And we've seen this all over the world. So Cuba has probably been a pretty significant Chinese asset since then. Um, the Wall Street Journal report claims that uh, China is building a new intelligence base in Cuba. And the Biden administration, first they denied, the re- they said the report was inaccurate, um, John Kirby, the, the spokesman, said it was inaccurate, even though he himself was quoted in the story. And then he said the reason it was inaccurate is because there's already been an intelligence, a Chinese intelligence base on Cuba oh, um, since 2019. So they tried to blame Trump for this. <laughs> and the reality is that the probably since the fall of the Soviet Union, there's been a void in Cuba for communist alliances. And China's been slowly building itself to replace Russia. Um, so we, we have, you know, Cuba's overrun with our enemies right now. And, and this isn't anything new, but I'm glad it has more attention. What about, take me to, um, we just got a couple minutes left here with Francis Martel. I know we're kind of all over the place here. But the, the China, when, when Secretary Blinken was hanging out with Xi Jinping and, uh, and, and Blinken basically said, uh, America does not support Taiwan independence. Is that the official position of the United States? Because I, I was always under the understanding that we can't let China go into Taiwan. It'll be a disaster if China, we're going to go to war. What, what happened there? And do you think China will ever actually invade Taiwan? Um, so Blinken, I think, caught a lot of undue heat for this because this actually has been our policy since Jimmy Carter. And no president since Jimmy Carter has had the nerve to change that policy and actually recognize Taiwan. Um, what we support officially is the status quo, by which we mean we don't recognize Taiwan as a country, but we sell them weapons and we oppose an invasion. We, we oppose Taiwan becoming sovereign. We oppose Taiwan becoming a province of China. Um, so it's a really slithery position. Um, but as to whether China's going to invade Taiwan, I mean, China's economy is collapsing right now. There's protests on a regular basis. I, I just don't feel like Beijing is in a position to add a, a new front in their in their world conquest plan right now. Um, but do they want to? Absolutely. Oh, so really fascinating stuff there with Francis Martel, international editor at Breitbart. Francis, have a wonderful 4th of July weekend, and we always appreciate your insight and uh, hope to talk to you soon. Absolutely. Happy 4th. Ready for a cold one, my friend. Oh, yeah. Beer Sample Friday coming up next on the Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIBC. Right now, Hammer and Nigel present oh, oh, oh. Uh, Beer Sample Fry. I got some beers. Let's drink them, huh? Beers on sale, people. Come down, get you some. And we're sponsored by our friends at Thompson Furniture and Mattress in Columbus. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. And the beer we will be sampling live on the air comes to us from columbus hog molly <laughs> brewing hog molly is um you know what have you ever heard hog molly before i think i dated her once 
They're not all tens, Nige. They're not all tens. Okay, well, not only is it an ex-girlfriend of yours, but it's also a nickname for offensive linemen. Uh, The (laughs) the owners of of Hog Molly, uh, Lou, and their son, Matt, were both offensive linemen in college. Okay, the big Hog Mollies. So this, I I thought this looked pretty refreshing for a 4th of July holiday weekend. Let's crack this sucker open. Why don't you go ahead and tell everybody what we're... uh, This is Blindside Blackberry Blonde Ale. So you can tell this is a football family that uh, owns this brewery, Blindside. From Hog Molly. I like it, man. Cheers to people who have power. Yeah, man. You lucky, (laughs) no good, rotten SOBs. Must be nice. What are you doing uh, tonight? Going home and sitting in the dark again? (laughs) Well, we're going to go to the Savannah Bananas game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If that, you know, goes off without a hitch. And then after that... I'm going to pull an Aaron Rodgers and just retreat to the darkness. <laughs> My wife invited me to go with her and her friends to Dave Matthews tonight. And uh, like after I got off the air just to go up there because the traffic wouldn't be that bad. And I'm like, you know, I've seen him dozens of times in my 20s. What am I going to be, a 47-year-old man singing along with Crash Into Me, you know? Right. Looking longingly into my wife's eyes while she's drunk and looking at other guys, you know? All the young people are, look at that old guy over there. (laughs) All right, uh, another hour of the Hammer and Nigel show coming up next.